0: I'm mixed. I can't ignore that they added top prospects and they did it with financial might. That's great. I can't poo-poo that. I know that's awesome. But I also am looking down the barrel of 2024. And like most of us, I'm wondering what's next.
1: What's your feelings, Pete? All right. So I'm, I'm split in different ways. First of all, you're right. Next year, it, it's a little scary to, to think about what's going to happen because I don't know if I really trust what Epler tells us. I listened to his 20-minute press conference. I even tried to ask a question. I had like five ready, and I couldn't get one in there. What
0: was going to be your first question, Pete, if they if they said yes to you in the press
1: conference? They said they were going to be competitive next year. Uh, with a, It was going to have a competitive roster. And I wanted to know if that included making a big splash like a Scherzer or a Verlander and kind of hinting at Otani in some sort of way. That was the first thing I was going to try to do because they were asking how they were going to approach free agency and they kept saying, we're going to have a competitive roster. And he basically said, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to use some of the money on pitching, relief. Either we know where our holes are, maybe some outfielders. Like he was going through basically, yeah, we have to pick up pieces all over the place. I mean, right. I, so, okay. But I really want to know like, are they completely, is he completely like, it's, Otani's not even in our, we can't even think about Otani. He's nowhere close to us. Um, and then the other question was, at what point in time are we going to stop seeing the um, excess waste play and we really see the young kids get some real fair time up in the bigs?
0: Well, first of all, I think Buck pretty much told us Vientos is going to play every day, and that's great. And obviously, Beatty's playing every day, and Alvarez is playing every day. I think the real question is Mauricio. And the fact he wasn't here, and that Michael Perez and uh, Rafael Ortega were called up is massively disappointing to all of us. Ronnie Mauricio needs to be here, period, stop. He's got to play. He's not only got to be here, he's got to play. This is the time to learn. As frustrating as this loss was to Kansas City on Tuesday, Brett Beatty made another error. Francisco Alvarez, as great as he is, cannot throw a guy out at second base. Guess what? They have to play. They got to play. So Ronnie Mauricio needs to be here. And the fact he's not, I'll give it a couple of days, but he better be here this weekend against the Orioles. He has to be. I think that the million-dollar question, and this is going to determine our future, at least in 2024, is how do they plan to build a rotation? Because right now, I went through that farm system and all the prospects that they have. They do not have a lot of top-shelf pitching prospects. They don't. They've got some pretty intriguing arms. They've got a lot of arms that's, I guess, the upside is considered more middle to back of the rotation, which I know doesn't mean everything. Jacob deGrom was a middle back of the rotation prospect. I acknowledge that. But that's also rare. You know, it's rare to hit on a gem like that. So it's not as if the Mets are sitting there with top level single A pitching prospects that we just need to wait two to three years on. Right now, the waiting is on more position players. So short term and long term, how are you building a pitching rotation? I think most of us would say, hey, balls to the wall, same as always. Otani, I'm going to put in a different world right now because, yeah, they should go after Otani because he's the most unique player in the history of baseball. So, yeah, of course they should go after him. And would he help the rotation? Yeah, would he help the middle of the? He helps everything. He helps marketing and he helps sales. I think that there is no doubt in my mind they're going they're going to go after Otani. I just think the Mets' chances today of getting him are slimmer than they were two days ago because they always had the money. They always have that ability to offer him the most. But what he seems to want is winning. And I don't know how the Mets sell that. They're going to be coming off of a terrible season. They're going to be coming off a year in which they got two Hall of Famers to waive no trade clauses. I just don't know how you sell it. Wait two years, you can't. So I think they'll go after him. I just don't think it's that realistic to get him. My my confidence in getting Otani, which was probably at 15%, 20%, which I think is a reasonable number for a free agent that's not your own. I think it's now down to 3%. They have the money, so they're in the game. It's not 0%, but I think it's very unlikely. So put Otani to the side. Balls to the wall. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, I was going to say, is it is 3% better or worse than their playoff chances this year? <laughs> better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> better.
0: I, I think the other option would be Julio Urias. Aaron Nola, who's flawed, but I'll just use him because he's one of the top guys out there. Blake Snell, you sign one or two of those guys, but the only way to do that is with a five or six year deal. Like you're not getting, I know your rise is not having a great year for the Dodgers, but you're not stealing him from LA. I don't think at least on a big money, short contract, you're not doing that. So to get, some of the top-line starting pitchers, you're going to have to give them probably in excess of what Radon got from the Yankees. And so so that's option number one. Option number one is money is no object. If They're going to need pitching not just next year, but for the next three years. Go give Julio Urias whatever he needs to
1: bring him to New York. That's option number one. Okay, Uh, just just I'm just going to comment in general, because I I do want to hear the next option. But is this based on that Billy Epler is solely making the moves or that David Stearns is going to come in as well and kind of change things up a bit?
0: Yeah, I think this is David Stearns, but it's really Steve Cohen because Steve Cohen is running the show. It's his vision and his vision is, hey, I want to win. But I also want to build a farm system. And his money has allowed the Mets to make these trades and Billy to make these trades that he's made over the last three days. So here's the question for Cohen, and it really is for Cohen, whether David Stearns runs the team or Billy Epler runs the team. Are you going to allow your team president slash general manager to give mega contracts to pitchers? Or is your vision, same thing, short-term big money? Because short-term big money got them Verlander got them Scherzer, and short-term big money is what they offered to Grom for him to come back. That's why they were never in play with him because they didn't offer a five-year contract. If that strategy remains, I don't know how you could add frontline starting pitching because short deals for big money is not getting you Julio Urias or Aaron Nola or Lucas Giolito or Blake Snell. Maybe it catch a Clayton Kershaw who wants him. It's not getting you Eduardo Rodriguez. And by the way, I recognize that a lot of the names I mentioned are not even front, frontline guys. They may be more twos or threes. Are you willing to go balls to the wall and get the best of the best in free agency when it comes to starting pitching? If the game plan, and maybe, and, and I, if my guess, Pete, and I don't think this is the worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario is they don't aggressively try to buy pitching at all. And they try to piecemeal a rotation that features Senga, Quintana, Peterson, McGill, and like a smaller addition like Kyle Gibson. Like that's the worst case scenario because I don't know how you compete if that happens other than getting really, really lucky. Really, that's what it comes down. Getting really, really lucky with some of those arms and your offense just being amazing, far better than we expect. The middle option is they're willing to spend, but it's going to be short-term deals. So what does that look like? I think that looks like Jack Flaherty, who's not coming off the greatest year, just acquired by the Orioles. I think that looks like, I'm going to duck when I say this, Luis Severino, who's coming off a terrible season for the Yankees. But on a one-year deal, yeah, that's what you're looking at. I think Kyle Hendricks on a short-term deal, assuming the Cubs don't exercise their team option. Alex Wood on a short-term deal. That's what you're looking at. Because if you're Jordan Montgomery and you can get a five-year deal or a four-year deal, you're taking it. If you're Sonny Gray and you can get a four- or five-year deal, you're taking it. So if you're going to rely on short-term big-money deals that work for Verlander and work for Scherzer, those are the names you're going to have to go get. You could also trade for a starting pitcher, but that means dipping into the system you just rebuilt to trade for starters. Is it a guy with only one year of control or is it going to be a guy for multi-year control? I gave an example on the air. I'll give it again, and I have no reason to believe he's going to be traded other than the track record of the franchise. Would the Tampa Bay Rays cash out on Shane McClanahan, Would they say, you know what, the guy's been unbelievable, and he has, for the last three years, this is the time to trade him? I don't know. And and by the way, and if the answer is yes, are you going to be willing to give up what it's going to take, which is top, top, top top-line prospects? Probably not. Because we'll all be afraid that the Rays know what they're doing when they trade a guy away. Would the Marlins, and I think it'd be stupid, but would the Marlins, coming off a mediocre year, Trade saying the Alcantara. I'm just saying that these are the kinds of names that maybe could be available, but to acquire those guys, you're not taking all those prospects that you just paid a ton for and sending them over to another team. And so this is what's so challenging. I don't have the answers. None of us have the answers. And I don't think anything Billy Epler or Steve Cohen says is going to mean anything until they do it during the offseason. Cohen has earned our trust in terms of spending, but what kind of spending are we talking about? Top, top line starting pitching, short term, big money deals, or eh, we've spent
1: enough. Let's just try to throw a rotation together. So just from track record of Billy Epler, what he's what you saw in, in Anaheim, L.A., he kind of goes for those like one, two year deals of like those project guys like they, they loved Andrew Heaney for a while. I know he was he was already in the system, but like. They did bring in Syndergaard for for like a year. He had like – I think Dylan Bundy was there for a year. Like they would just go through all these guys that were kind of like – they were supposed to be good but kind of really weren't, and then they'd give him like a year. And I think that that's like what you're going to be looking at. Like you kind of nailed it with uh, the Gibson but the Severino. Like I hate that. He is dog crap right now. But that's somebody that I can see Apple saying, you know what? Maybe it was just a bad year. We'll give them one year, see if it works out.
0: I have no problem with deals like that because the reward can be so incredibly high, but you do need to have some certainty in your rotation. And right now, the certainty, if you want to call it that, is Kodai Senga in his second full year in the major leagues and Jose Quintana in a contract year. Adding Luis Severino or a guy of that nature is fine, but... But you want to go into the year with some confidence, with some certainties. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Uh, that's why when Billy Epler said on Sunday, we're going to go into 2024 with less expectations, that's fine. It's impossible for the Mets to go into 2024 with higher expectations than 2023. They won 101 games. They had Verlander and Scherzer. I get that next year may not come with the same expectations, and that's okay. But I want to go into next year, and I think most Met fans do, with a thought of, yeah, they can make the playoffs. Yeah, this could be a fun season. They don't have to be the favorites, but you want them to be good. And we are all kids and students of pitching. And why I say that is because we're Met fans, and that's been our identity. I know that it wasn't necessarily in 2006. Maybe it wasn't as much in 06, but 2015 was, the 80s were, the 60s were, even 2000. Like They had a lot of offense, but what were we so excited about going into the year? Mike Hampton and Al Leiter as a lethal 1-2. And it's tough to have a rotation that's going to have so many questions. And that's what you're looking at.
1: I uh, just want to rewind something really quick because you brought up Hampton and Leiter, and Leiter was a little bit older when he was with the Mets and stuff like that. I was really thinking about this, and, and you would be the best person to ask. Walking into the season, the Mets went with two aces that were 39 and going to 40 years old, right? When was there a time where a, a, a pitching staff was led by two guys of almost 40 years old and took it deep in the playoffs and won a World Series. I can't remember. Well, I,
0: you got to look up the ages, but Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling were not exactly young in 2001,
1: but they weren't they were that old. 37 and 34. Okay, I looked so it that,
0: up that, which is my point. It's not that old, but they weren't young. Like 37 and 34 is not, it's not young, but no, it's not this to, to your point. It's not. Uh, it didn't work. Look, they they went in last year with Scherzer and DeGrom, and it it sort of worked but didn't. Like Max was really good when he pitched, but he missed a lot of time. DeGrom barely pitched. And then, yeah, we can judge how they did in big spots. DeGrom was okay. Scherzer was terrible. It didn't work. And clearly, whatever the rotation is next year, whoever the top two or top three starters in the rotation are, and I assume Senga's one of those guys, it's going to be considerably younger. They're going to be a much younger rotation. Uh, Let's get to a lot of your emails because as this day was going on, this very eventful day, we received a lot of them. So it's always fun to read your therapy session. It's therapy for all of us. Of course, you can email us to gmail.com. I'm not sitting here trying to promote the show I do, but there was an instant reaction. It was just live on the air. If you want to hear that, Evan and Tiki, because the timing worked out that way. Like sometimes you just can't predict it. Uh, Ron Shea writes, perfect name. Verlander instant reaction and he sent this one at 325 so this was I'd say about a half hour after the trade went down everyone is upset and rightfully so that this season and most likely next is over but here's the silver lining I see we as Met fans are all outraged right now because we got rid of our two mercenaries this season was a colossal failure But Steve Cohen did the right thing by moving on and not holding on to the mercenaries. These players that we keep joking about that might help us in 2026 could be the next best thing in baseball. They also could be colossal busts. But holding on to Max and Verlander would have gotten us nothing. In the long term, this is the best move the Mets could have made. I'm 31 years old and I've never seen a World Series. What's 10 more years? (laughs) Steve Cohen is a businessman and he's playing the long term game. It sucks for us right now. Steve Cohen is playing the long game. Ron's right on a lot of levels. This sucks. Doesn't mean I'm happy about it, but I don't think there's any doubt that while the Mets would have had a better chance to win in 2024, and maybe it would have worked with these guys being a year older, probably not, they have given themselves at least a better chance for the years beyond that. Emmanuel writes, punting for 2024. I feel sick to my stomach, not because I don't think on some level what they're doing is smart. It's because, as you yourself have said, replacing the amount of pitching in one offseason is nearly impossible. Our bullpen is still trash, which I personally think is the biggest reason we suck this year. Selling at this level just feels more and more like a full rebuild. But hey, maybe in three to five years, that'll be awesome. But right now it's right now it still might not be and we will be that much older and some might not even be around to see it as morbid as that is it is pretty morbid but true my oldest son is turning six in a few days and i know yours is around the same age i just had a newborn boy back in july congrats i just hope that they someday see this team do something because i'm getting sick and tired of waiting I also find it interesting that they are now saying Verlander was told we probably won't be competing until 2025, so I don't think it's exactly a foregone conclusion that Steve is going to spend like a drunken sailor again this offseason. I think the only thing that would make me feel better and lift the morale is the team giving Pete Alonso a long-term extension. I keep hearing whisperings of him being traded, which I think is absurd. He's a homegrown talent that is beloved by fans, who's a top three power hitter in the game right now. Who are you replacing him with? Our offense is as inept as it is. It's a joke to think of a team without Alonzo. I think seeing him go might be a breaking point for me as a 30-year, for me, after 30 insufferable years. The funniest thing is that as much as we sucked last year, it was probably one of the best years we've had. So even when we're good, we suck. You can't make this stuff up. So let's address the Alonzo thing. The Alonzo thing has come from a few places. Number one, it came from the Athletic on Tuesday morning that the Mets were open to trading guys who are not signed beyond 2024. Well, just for the record, just so you know who's not signed beyond 2024, here are the guys who become free agents after next season. Jose Quintana, Omar Narvaez, Adam Adovino, Brooks Raley, Trevor Gott, Pete Alonso, and Drew Smith. Obviously, the guy with value. Quintana, to a degree, is Pete Alonso. I know that there's a price for everybody, and there's always a trade that you would say yes to if offered something immense. I do not see a realistic trade that makes any sense for the Mets in trading Pete Alonso, And I'm taking the emotion out for a second. Besides being a homegrown guy, besides being a guy who will own every record in Mets history, besides that, which is important, I don't know how you think that makes you better. Pete Alonzo, I don't care what anybody says. We watch every inning of this team. Pete Alonzo is getting better defensively every year. This idea that he's not a good defensive first baseman, I don't know if that's updated. Like, I mean, he's not perfect. So if you want to find the mistakes he makes and say, see, he sucks, that's not accurate. Like, even in this game on Tuesday night, he made an incredible pick to end the ninth inning on a bad throw by Lindor. So we can ignore it and make believe it didn't happen, but Pete is fine defensively.
1: Fine is the word. I didn't say he's a gold Glover. He's fine defensively. See, most people are probably going to look at this game and say, look, he took a ball off the face.
0: And by the way, yes, he did. And yes, that ball should have been caught. It wasn't the easiest play. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he's better than his reputation. He is, and he works his ass off and keeps getting better. So put the defense to the side. I would argue he's fine defensively. I mean, he's great. He's fine. Now you have a guy who plays every effing day. Even when he got hurt on the Charlie Morton hit batsman, he came back early. So he plays every day and he is, in my opinion, the most reliable slugger in baseball today. And that includes Aaron Judge and that includes Shohei Otani. I said reliable, reliable in that. He'll play 150 games, and he's probably going to hit 40 home runs, and he's going to do it year after year after year. Is he having the greatest year ever? No, and that's why he's great, because of the fact that we could sit here and say, hey, Pete's not having a great year, yet he's hit 31 home runs and has 77 RBIs uh, in August. So I'm taking the emotion out. I'm taking the homegrown out. I'm taking the he's going to own every record out. How you wouldn't want to keep that long-term is crazy to me. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to try to not get pissed about it because listening on offers doesn't mean you're looking to trade them. And the Mets have gone through such an awful season that maybe the attitude was we're going to listen on everything. Everything known to man we're going to listen on. Doesn't mean we're going to do it with that said, I agree with that last email. I'd sign him today because his price tag is going to go up. You go to free agency. It goes up. He goes, he goes out and it's 60 home runs in 2024. It goes up. I'm not mad about it yet. Cause I think it's too stupid to be true. How about that? That's good logic, right? And, and, and let me make this very, very clear, because I'm not angry yet, so you haven't seen it. Letting Pete Alonzo go is in a different stratosphere than letting Jacob DeGrom go. And I was pissed about DeGrom. Different stratosphere. Because I get it with DeGrom. And I lost the argument, but I got it. I didn't agree with you, but I got it. I don't get this one. I don't see the other side. I think the other side is stupid. I don't really like to say that, but I, that's that's how far dumb again. If there's a trade out there, I'd love to hear it. But even if you you name the team, you're giving me their top 4 prospects, like I still wouldn't make the trade. I still would think it's stupid.
1: I can't hear you Pete, I apologize. Go ahead. That's about that's my bit. Yeah. Right. Rusty with the mic. All right, they're <laughs> not going to make this trade, but I would do this trade. I would think about and comprehend doing this trade. If the Arizona Diamondbacks said, we will give you Zach Gallen and Corbin Carroll for Pete Alonzo.
0: Yeah, okay, yes.
1: But that's not going to happen. They're exactly. not going to do that.
0: Exactly, yes. That's why yeah. I, I always want to be careful with this. Yes, there's a trade I'd make for with Pete Alonzo. Yeah, yes, Yeah. Of course. The old joke before Trout became injury prone is, would you trade him for Trout? Yes. Yeah, you got me. Okay. So, but but that's not out there. That's not real, especially with only having one year of control before he gets to free agency. Those aren't real trades. So no, yeah. Anybody can come up with a trade that says, see, you trade Alonzo. This isn't fantasy baseball though. This is real life.